Welcome back. This is your host, McKenna Miller, and this is Today on the Gram. Today I have someone pretty cool with me. Um, this is one of my good friends, Grady Dill. Grady, introduce yourself. Hey, my name is Grady. I am on Young Life staff in the White Rock or Lakewood area with Woodrow Wilson High School. Um, oldest of three, my mom's in Young Life staff. My dad is also involved in Young Life. Um, big sports fan. Uh, started JV quarterback two years in a row in high school. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I really cling to that still to this day. I love almost that. Almost seven years later. Yeah, aren't you like doing football now or something? Absolutely. QB1 for... QB1 for Des Cotton, Dallas Social Club quarterback right here. Okay, so for those of you that don't know what that is, nobody else knows what it is either. <laughs> but basically, just this group of guys that are like, hey, let's... Pretend like we're still teenagers and yeah. play football yep. every Tuesday night. And pay money to do it. Yeah. Oh, y'all have a game tomorrow? Yes, unless it rains. Okay. And did you win last week? You know, we actually lost, but I wasn't there. Oh, okay. So obviously the only reason they lost is because you right. weren't there. QB1 was missing. Okay. Yeah. Of course. Of yeah. course. What about the week before that? Uh, you know what? I think we lost that one too. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. No, no, you definitely did. No, it was a no show. The team didn't show up. I thought y'all lost the week before that. No, the team didn't show up. You have lost a game where you were playing though. We have lost a game that I was playing. Yeah, that's unfortunate. No, but you've you've won a lot too. It's been a good little season. Yeah, we're probably like right above 500. Yeah. And so Grady, I know you from, from Young Life because I'm a volunteer for Young Life and you're the staff person. Um, so tell us, I guess, just give us a little synopsis of like what Young Life is. Yeah. So Young Life is, uh, you could, you could really define this in multiple different ways, but caring adults who want to go and befriend and build relationships with high school kids, mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of the gospel. And yeah. so it's staff people, it's volunteers that are going into high schools or going to where kids are and building relationships, earning the right to be heard, um, with the hope and the goal that one day we'll get to share the gospel with them so that they can meet Jesus. And so we want to set them up to hear Jesus and then walk with them as they build that relationship and in the end get them plugged into a church where they can make their relationship with Jesus their own. Yeah. So it's a ministry that's like, it's, you know, it's a nonprofit that's not a church, but they partner with churches. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Super cool. Um, well, that's great. We're going to transition now into the Enneagram a little bit. So, Grady, tell me what you are on the Enneagram. What do you identify as? I, I identify as a six-wing seven. Okay, and what is the six? The six is the loyalist. Okay, and what's the seven? Uh, you know, I don't know the title, but I know it's like the... I would say the seven's like the energetic, social, fun guy. It's the enthusiast. The enthusiast. So... So very loyal, enthusiastic person. Do you say that you would describe yourself as that? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Well, I'm going to go ahead and read the different descriptions of a six or the different spaces that a six can be in, um, and then we'll talk a little bit about that. So healthy sixes have learned to trust their own experiences of life. They are aware that certainty and accurate predictability are not likely in most situations. They are productive, logical thinkers who almost always organize their thoughts and actions around what what would be most advantageous for the common good. Loyal, honest, and reliable, healthy sixes are clear-eyed judges of character. 
These sixes have come to believe that in the end, everything will be all right. Average sixes question almost everything. They struggle to get out of their heads and the pattern of worst case scenario planning. They are overly focused on authority and can be either subservient on the one hand or rebellious on the other. They find the world to be an unsafe place and they respond with fight or flight. These sixes, while managing all of their anxiety, are committed to education, church, government, family, and social service organizations. Unhealthy sixes find danger around every corner. Their anxiety borders on paranoia as they fear that the world is unfair and that most people are not who they say they are and cannot be trusted. Unable to trust themselves either, they look to authority figures and experts to make decisions on their behalf. These sixes find fault in others and tend to fall into patterns associated with the mental mechanism of projection. Okay, so Grady, hearing those three different spaces that a six can be in, where do you find yourself today in this moment? Would you find yourself to be healthy, average, or unhealthy? I would say healthy. And why do you think that? Well, I think hearing the other two, I don't, I, there's moments I will tend to camp in the fear side of being a six, mm-hmm. but I've never been in that third section, like the really unhealthy. Like I think I listen to that and I'm like, I don't know if I've really ever been there or I just haven't noticed it. Yeah. Um, which could, I, who knows, but I would say today I'm not really in a place of fear anywhere. Um, or recently. Yeah. I haven't. Um, yeah. That's really good. Especially like to hear that with, you know, the situation that we're still in, I think people who would not ever describe themselves as fearful people, um, would say that fear has come out significantly in this time of, you know, a global pandemic. And, and how do you, think you respond or have responded to that. Like I know that sixes, like one of the things that we'll talk about is sixes, you know, they prepare themselves for the worst case scenario. That's one of the things that the book said. Um, but like, did you ever imagine this to be the worst case scenario? No, I, I don't know what I really planned on the worst case scenario being. Exactly. Uh, I think there were definitely points over the last year now, almost that I'd get in that middle ground of like a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes from moving and being in a first year of a new job where there are a lot of expectations of what that year would look like. And then COVID stripped all that away. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably had a good handful of days over the last year that were like, I was camping in the fear of a six. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also allowed me to camp in on the other hand, I'm saying the word camp a lot, but be in the space of, I don't control what's going on. I've just got to enjoy what's going on and however that looks during COVID. How did you initially come across the Enneagram slash? Like, how did you hear about it? And what process did you take to discover the number you identify with? Yeah. So my mom is really into this. Okay. It has the coffee table books in the living room. And there's like two of them that are Enneagram books and she has people's names written on each page that affiliate with different numbers. And there's a long time I affiliated with seven mm-hmm. and that was like me self-diagnosing myself almost. And that was like early college too. Um, and I think through college, I mean like you're not done developing 
mentally until it was like 25 or 26 or yeah. something. And I'm not even there yet. But <laughs> in college, I would have said I'm a seven. But as I went through a lot of just like big life changes and events that really molded me and shaped me, I land more in the six. And I think that came from talking to my mom about it, who is like an expert in this stuff. Um, but also reading about it and being like, okay, the seven, I'm like spontaneous, but I'm not like super spontaneous. Like I'm not like, yeah, let's drop everything and go do this. And that's obviously just one point of the seven, but the six, as I realized like the loyalty that's there and even like the fear aspect of it, I was like, yeah, that's a lot more my speed. Um, and then realizing the six wing seven was like nail on the head for me. Um, so I got into it just talking to my mom. And then I think being in Christian bubbles, the conversation comes up a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so uh, even I think when I got interviewed, I feel like they asked me about that, the Enneagram. Like with Young Life? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I know my mom, she wasn't in my interview, but when she interviews people, mm-hmm. she'll ask them their Enneagram number as the first question. And so they'll be like, oh, I'm a, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, oh, so your fears are blank. Like, she'll list them out and say, so this is what you do when you get stressed. And so she immediately knows who they are and then listens to their responses. And it's really interesting because I I know a lot of people rebel against the Enneagram because it's like, don't put me in a box. Yeah. But there's a side of it that I'm not using the Enneagram and you're not using the Enneagram to, like, put somebody in a box. We're using it to understand people and situations, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I think one of the most beautiful things I see about the Enneagram. And like, we've talked about this before and I think we even talked about it last week with Shalene, but that when you are in the Enneagram, you know, one of the common analogies that I keep using is the color red. And when you go to a Home Depot and you say, Hey, give me red paint. The guy's going to look at you like you're crazy because there's a million different colors of red. And so that's, there's a million different sixes and we, the Enneagram is so intertwined when you look at the, the diagram of it that like, so Grady's a six, but in um, stress, he goes to a three attributes of a three. And then in security, he goes to attributes of a nine. And he also has the seven wing. And he's also in this triad. And he's also in this, like, it's just so much that you show attributes of every single number, but that when you hone in on the one that you claim as yours, that's the one that just like truly describes you to your core, but you do feed off of everything else. And there's so many different kinds of numbers within the same number. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's one of the really cool things. And it's funny too, cause you talked about being spontaneous and like that, not really being you. Cause the other week, it was during election week, the church that we do prayer at on Wednesday morning, they had all of, I guess they were a hub for voting or whatever. Yeah, they they were a yeah. <laughs> People came and voted there. They're a, uh, a uh, it doesn't matter. I it can't remember matter. what it's called. Well, I wish I had a voting site, but that's whatever. not. It's, there's a more professional name. You vote there. You vote there. You vote it was there. one of the spots. You get your sticker. You go home. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we voted together, so that's we super did. cool. Yeah. Um, not there, but anyway, not there. (laughs) So we thought it would be really, well, I didn't think it would be Grady would be thought it would be really funny when we walked outside and saw all the signs and this was Wednesday. So the election was not really over, but it was the day after election day. Yeah. So voting was over. And so there was no real need for these signs anymore. And so someone was going to have to pick them up and throw them away anyway. It was like easily maybe a hundred, maybe more. It was a lot. I mean, we filled my truck bed with them. 
Yeah. And so that was, Grady had this idea. He was like, what if we like took all these signs and put them in our friend Jonathan's yard? And I was like, that would be so funny. And then he, he kind of just like, like killed the idea. And I was well, like, well, yeah. Cause I have this history of like, I will bring up pranks. I'd be like, Oh, this would be really funny if we did blank. And then I just kind of like sit back. Cause I'm like, I don't actually want to do this. I just had the idea. <laughs> so, but I feel like in that moment, I, well, I was like pressured of like, Hey, you're going to follow through with this. So I was like, ha, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, that was the thing. He was like, he was like, yeah, we should do this one. I was like, yeah, that would be so funny. And then he kind of just sat back and I was like, no, we're doing this. And so I started like picking up signs out of the ground, put them in his truck. And I was like, when are we going to do it? He's like, oh, I'll probably just do it later. And I was like, no, like, when are we doing this? Because I want in on this. And he was like, well, I might get Towner to help me. Uh, My roommate. Yeah, that's one of his roommates. And I was like, uh, and he was like, I was like, let's just go do it now. And he was like, okay and so we did and so we drove over there and it was really funny and but i also tried getting out of it as we pulled up oh yeah you did because there was a i thought jonathan's car wasn't there the night before when we all had our leaders there and so we pull up and i called mckenna i was like hey was his car yet here like yesterday like i'm freaking out i wanted to get out of it and we didn't and i still told him i was like even if he walks out on us doing this like it would be funny like just Suck it up yeah, and yeah. pull back around and we're going to do it. And we did. And it was funny. And, and the neighbor caught us and he scurried off because he was scared. Yeah. Like, and then know. it was really awkward because later <laughs> Blythe <laughs> said that, that's Jonathan's wife, um, Blythe said that the neighbor described, <laughs> they knew it was us because they described it as, what did they say for they you? They said a guy in a white truck oh, and a really giggly girl. A really giggly girl. And I was like, that is so embarrassing, but I get it. Like, that's yeah, that's busted. that's me busted. Um, and that's the end of our crime career. <laughs> so you think? No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> Next up and coming, McKenna's crime podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, well, back to the enneagram. Um, all of that to say, Grady is not the most spontaneous person. He's more in that moment. He has a cool idea, but then he decides to revert to Six's fear of no, we can't do. This. I've got a lot of really good ideas. Do I follow through with them? I don't. Well, then come to me and I will follow through with them. Back to the Enneagram. So talking about being healthy, unhealthy, and average, what are specific times when you've noticed yourself being unhealthy in your type? Um, like when do I realize it? Either that or like if you can recall a specific memory of like a time when you lived in excess in your number, a time when you were being unhealthy. I would say, so like... I'm pretty aware of when I start feeling not great. Like, I'm very aware of my emotions. Mm-hmm. Probably hyper aware. Um, it's a gift and a curse. And so I'm I'm able to tell when I am starting to feel stressed. And I notice it really quickly. And, like, when I'm starting to doubt and ask a lot of questions. And um, in the workaholic way, I think I um, – I think when I hear workaholic, I think, like, I'm going to go do Young Life stuff work and work really hard. I wouldn't say that. I would say I'm more workaholic of if I feel like there's something that's not right, I'm going to put all my energy towards that Um, to try to figure that out and to figure out those emotions and why they're there. Mm -hmm. Um, Because when when I feel fearful, typically there's nothing behind it. Like the amount of times I'll fear, I'll feel like something is off. I'll reach out to the person. They're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, you're right. Like I, that's just me. Um, and I don't, I couldn't tell you what events get me there. I have a lot of friends who are sixes 
And one of the things I've noticed about a lot of my six friends is that, so sixes are thinking dominant and thinking repressive. So threes, sixes, and nines are all dominant and repressive in their own triad. And so for me as a three, I'm feeling and feeling dominant and feeling repressive and nines are doing dominant and doing repressive. So as a six, being thinking dominant and thinking repressive, it means that when you come to a situation, you immediately, your instinct is to think about it, to think about the outcomes. That's kind of where the fear comes in because you, you overthink things or um, to think about how it's going to affect yourself and how it's going to affect other people. But you're also thinking repressive, which basically means when you come to a situation to think about it, you overthink it. And then you think about it some more. And then you think about it some more. And then you think about it some more. And you get stuck in this circle, this cycle of overthinking things and never coming to a decision. And so I have a really good friend who falls into that all of the time. And this person just, they change their mind every single day of um, what they want to do and where they want to go and how they want to decide this and they will lean on so the biggest factors of a six are fear and authority and they will lean on authority to make decisions for them but if there's no authority figure that can make that decision for them then they get stuck again Mm -hmm. and so one of the things um there's two different types of sixes there can be a phobic six or a counterphobic six and phobic sixes will lean on authority to make decisions. They'll, they'll trust authority a hundred percent. Um, they want, they praise authority and they, they want them to be, um, the guide in their life, the leader in their life. And counterphobic sixes are very, um, they like, look, they like look, I'll call the shots. Type of thing. Yes. Yeah. They, they want to be so independent that they are, more fearful of authority and they have, they look at authority figures and just have an eyebrow raised the whole time when they're dealing with them. And so when you look at yourself in that state of like, of being unhealthy, do you think that there's times when that applies to you? Would you say that you're either like a phobic six or a counterphobic six? Do you think that you lean on authority to make decisions for you? Do you think that there's ever times when you get stuck in this cycle of not being able to make a decision because you overthink it? Uh, I would say I lean more phobic, um, but it also depends on who the authority is. Okay. If I don't like the authority above me, I'm counterphobic. Okay. Um, and I've experienced that in my just in other jobs before, um, where my boss and I won't think the same, and so I'll make calls, and it's not like me going around him. Like I have the freedom to make a call, mm-hmm. but I'll say now with Young Life. Both my committee chair and my boss, I value their opinion. And so I go to them for almost everything. Um, and I could be wrong, but I feel like my job, I have the ability to make all the calls. Um, but I almost refuse to just because if I have these older guys above me, why would I do my own thing? Mm-hmm. When I could be like, hey, y'all have done this before, I've seen this before, what do y'all think? Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't say I get, I get caught in circles making decisions. Um, I think I'll ask people a lot of questions when I'm making a decision to figure out what's best and what other people think because I don't want to be so like with Young Life stuff I don't want to be the staff person that just like stomps on everybody and is like hey here's what you need to do and I'll go do it but I want to be hey what do y'all think and then make the decision mm-hmm. um, almost like more inclusive I guess because if I need to make a decision I'll make it but I want to be inclusive 
with as many people as possible. Yeah. Um, but I would say I'm more phobic. I, if I value the people above me, I will value what they think and what they, what they think I should do. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing this story or not. I know that Enneagram is different in adolescence than it is in adult life. But thinking back to one thing that you said that really stuck out to me, you said that it depends on who the authority figure is. And I think about the story that you told me about your previous young life leader when you were in high school Uh and the way that you would definitely be counterphobic when it came to him in that situation. Do you feel comfortable sharing about that situation with him specifically? What do you mean counterphobic? Like how... Just I'm thinking about like the awareness of not trusting him and having an eyebrow raised every time you're dealing with him oh, because yes. of this thing that yeah. he did. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So my leader, um, just like didn't follow a lot of guidelines that Young Life gives and just broke some rules. Had some relations with people that were just didn't line up with being in ministry. Mm-hmm. Um. Hurt a lot of people, hurt me, and I think made me very aware of people. Like, I I now look at people at a different angle, um, and I try to read people right off the bat. And I would say I'm a pretty good judge of character. Yeah. Like, I can get a really good read on, like, if I meet somebody, I will walk away being like, there's some weird stuff going on there. I'm not about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say because of that, it's caused me when I meet some people – I will meet them and be like, there's something off here and I'm going to raise an eyebrow and be like, I'm just going to kind of push away. Um, and so I think being a good judge of character, it allows me to be able to choose if I'm going to be phobic or counterphobic. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of that comes with just like getting to know people. Like um, there's some people that you just get to know and I become more phobic, more phobic with, I guess is how you would say it. Um, but because of what I've gone through with my leader and how much I looked up to him for so long, Mm -hmm. it causes me to be really hesitant now with people. Mm -hmm. Um, and you almost have to earn it and prove to me who you are before I ask you questions or to be a mentor or, you know, fill in the blank. But I would say I'm very aware of people, especially in ministry. Yeah, absolutely. Outside of ministry less than like I don't I'm not as questionable Mm -hmm. but if you're in ministry especially if you're a male in ministry I will have an eyebrow at you for quite a while until you earn it Hmm. so that's one of the things that describes a six is that sixes are very good at discernment um that's not necessarily a six like that's not necessarily going to be one of your spiritual gifts yeah But in general, a lot of sixes have that spiritual gift of discernment because they do read people very well and they are very aware of that. And so, you know, that's where the loyalist part of a six comes into play is that when you first meet people, you're very skeptical and you're Mm -hmm. very aware and like a heightened sense of how is this person truly going to be? But then once you like hook them, like, or once, once they hook you, I guess, like once you finally trust them, once you, um, decide that they're an okay person then that's that's where this loyalist comes into play like you are their friend their partner their whatever for life like you are going to go to bat for them and you're going to be um 
you're going to lean on that person forever, yeah. basically, yeah. Um, until they break that trust again. And, and even then, I think, you know, one of the things about sixes is, like, they're loyal in the fact that, like, like, when you bring church into it, they're not the kind of people that are going <laughs> to, they're not the kind of people that are going to leave when um, they don't really like the worship or when the pastor made this sermon yeah. or it's there's something that keeps them there because they have this grace mm-hmm. for people um that I just don't think a lot of other numbers hone into a lot of times yeah I would say I the way I would say it is I will play my feet um so like with my job I got hired and signed a three-year contract okay um and I don't know if this is me being a six and being a loyalist or if this is something else. But, like, when I got hired, I, I told them, like, I'm going to plant my feet with the idea that I'm going to be here for 15 years. Mm. One, not because, like, you have to keep me here for 15 years, but if I'm here thinking I'm only going to be here for three years, nothing's going to get done. Yeah. Um, even with the relationships. Like, if I meet somebody and I'm like, I'm only going to know you for a year, why would I spend time with you? Yeah. Um, but if you are to, if, if I click with somebody like my friends, my family, they all know I'm like one of the more loyal people. Like I will drop everything. Mm-hmm. Um, where that hurts though is like Saturdays when I have two of my friends text me like, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. I get torn on like, who am I going to say no to today? Mm-hmm. And not out of like, oh, I'd hate to make somebody sad, but. I want to be able to say yes because I want to be there for those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and with being there for people, I've talked to, to friends about this, but I always have my phone on me. Mm-hmm. And not like, a, oh my gosh, I can't get off Instagram. <laughs> but like, I want to be able to, if somebody needs something, my phone's right there. Mm-hmm. Now, how many times has somebody called me being like, I need you right now? Mm-hmm. Maybe once. And I say that just out of like hope that that's happened once. Yeah, But... I like love the idea of I if I'm gonna be loyal and be your friend, I'm gonna be there. Mm-hmm. Rather than I'm gonna have my phone up, maybe you need something, I'm not there. Um, some people that's annoying too, but I'm like, if somebody needs something, I'm gonna answer the phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can attest to that in the fact that like I'm that weird person in my generation that like I don't like to text. I would rather call and I call Grady a lot and he always answers, so that's great. <laughs> Thanks yeah, for that. Yeah, of course. Um, but this does kind of play into the healthy aspects of a six. Like we've transitioned, we've transitioned naturally out of the unhealthy into the healthy. So tell me more about what are specific instances in your life when you've noticed yourself being healthy. I would say the healthy. So as a six, you mentioned how a six can get caught in their thoughts of like making the circle of like trying to make decisions and thinking about stuff mm-hmm. as a healthy six. And this probably comes with me being aware of it. I'm able to, if I start thinking about something, I'll stop myself. Cause I'm like, this isn't going to help me anywhere. Like the amount of times I'll have young life club on Monday and I'll think about some certain situation happening. I'll get caught there. We'll be like, wait, what am I doing? This doesn't matter because the amount of times I've thought about something too much got into that situation, like, if I have club, I'm worried about so-and-so doing something, 
or somebody not showing up and I'm thinking about how I can resolve that conflict when it comes, Mm -hmm. that conflict or whatever I've been thinking about all day has never happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And so being in a healthy state, I'm able to shut that thought process down early because I know I could think about every single situation, but none of them are going to happen. And that's okay, but when I'm unhealthy, I'll sit there and think about a process and then be almost planning for some situation that's never going to happen. So being healthy, I'm able to like cut my thinking off earlier to be like, this doesn't matter. Like it does matter, but it doesn't. Not enough for me to waste energy and time thinking about it. Yeah. Um, That's probably one of the biggest places I realize it. I think whenever I know I'm in a place that events are happening and I'm not sitting there thinking about them or like a relationship is like a big hiccup, I'm not sitting there camping out about it and stuck at home. That's when I know I'm healthy. Mm -hmm. But when I find myself like in the middle of the day thinking about something, that's when I'm like, okay, there's something going on here that I need to figure out. Yeah. And I think that, you know, um, sixes in an unhealthy state will turn this, turn what you're saying into the worst case scenario. And so overthinking situations and seeing what could go wrong, what could possibly go wrong? What are all the possible outcomes? And I, I worry for my friends who are sixes, um, post pandemic, because now I don't think that's something we've ever even thought about, but now it's like, what if there's another pandemic and like being prepared for something like that, you know, like building a bunker in your house kind of thing. Drama. Yeah. (laughs) Buying too much toilet paper. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I, my mom is not a six, but I can say she's one of those people that Mm -hmm. did that. She also does it every time there's any kind of like election or anything that could go bad. (sighs) Yes. My mom is like, let me stock up on some soups and toilet paper and some water bottles. I'm like, Oh mother. I would say they're like, I don't know. I think this is where you're headed. But as a six, I want to be prepared for everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll think about situations. So like back to club, I'll think about what could go wrong to be like, okay, what am I missing? What can mm-hmm. I bring? Mm-hmm. And not like, okay, we're doing this game. So-and-so falls. They break their leg. What do I do? Like, I'm not thinking like I need to bring a stretcher yeah. and I need to have the ambulance ready to go before club. Like I'm not thinking dramatically. Yeah. But, like, okay, we play this game, what do we need? Yeah. Um, You're turning it from, in an unhealthy state, it would be worst case scenario, a a level of stress and anxiety that nobody needs in their life to where you're just being prepared, which is just good for life. Like, we need to be prepared and responsible, and that's what you're doing. And so that is. That's a very healthy attribute. And I also think that, like, in situations that there would be something with, like, you know, God forbid, but... a a danger, an, an actual threat. Like you are the kind of person that could actually like be prepared for that and be ready to step up when I know I would be like crying in the corner kind of thing. Um, yeah. has there ever been like a situation in your life with something like that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean like quick summary, but my buddies and I in high school or no, we were in college. We went camping over spring break and I'm not going to say where we went camping Lord forbid they lose campers out there. But, you know, you get a campsite, you set up. I was struggling to start a fire. This guy shows up randomly out of the woods, helps me with this fire. We end up just chatting, sitting around this fire. So it's me, a few of my friends, this random guy. And, like, a few hours pass, his two buddies show up. Real sketchy. Mm -hmm. Um, My friends weren't weren't sober yeah um and so they were 
you know, not sober, not aware of what was going on. But for me, all red flags are going off of like, we're in a park, there's nobody else here, my friends are all not sober, um, and there's three strangers that are older than us that just walked up on our campsite and are sitting between us and our exit. Um, long story short, one, one of the guys that walked up asks us if we're ready to die, makes this gesture like he's pulling a gun out of his jacket. Yikes. And I moved, pulled a knife on him, and I didn't stab him. This isn't the start of McKenna's, <laughs> this is not the start of McKenna's, like, crime podcast. podcast. <laughs> but it was, a, it was a, like a, hey, <laughs> the quote I said that my friends all make fun of me for was, hey, we're not doing this tonight. <laughs> I said, hey, we're not doing this tonight. And I, I walked him and his friends back to their car, and it was, I don't want to sound tough guy, but it was basically like, hey, if you try something, neither of us are leaving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they left. Me and my friends packed up and left before they could do anything. Um, that is probably one of the few instances, instances that really showed to me of, like, me being prepared. Not that I, like, brought a knife mm-hmm. to be like, what if this guy shows up? Yeah. My friends are drunk. But it was like, we're going camping. Why wouldn't yeah. I bring a knife? Yeah. Um, and it just played off. Do I go camping now without my gun? I don't, <laughs> but just like Texas, <laughs> Texas, you know, come on. Um, but that's like a, that's definitely a situation that paid off of me being a six. Also being a rule follower and not drinking underage. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. That is one thing the story does not get enough credit for. <laughs> I was 20. My friends were drunk, also 20. And I was sitting there Drinking water and protecting our lives. Oh, good job. Loyalists. Come on. For real, though, uh, this is like the only... No, that's not the only reason I asked Grady to be on this podcast. But I did want him to share that story. It's a fun story. It's one of my favorite stories. And we do, like, all the time, we'll just, like, poke him in the back and say, we're not doing this tonight, just to, like, mess with him. Um, Because it is one of those stories that, like, when you hear it at first, you're like, that's so fake. Everybody thinks it's fake. (laughs) And I have to, like... Call my friends. I'm like, this happened, right? And they're like, yes, this happened. <laughs> I'll check every few years. I will call my friends and be like, hey, tell me this story again just to make sure my facts are still right. So would you say that – has there ever been a time in your life when being a six has been challenging for you? I would say when it comes to dating relationships, mm-hmm. yes. Um, Why is that? Because I overthink everything. <laughs> uh the amount of times that my girlfriend will be like, why are you talking about this? Like, I'll bring up something like, hey, I was thinking about this, and I feel like this happened, and I want to talk about something, and she's like, we don't, we've already talked about this. And because I'm making a bigger situation of it in my head, mm-hmm. um, that's where I've noticed the most. And in, in dating relationships, I will, my six really comes out. of mm-hmm. just like overthinking when uh, she's a nine, and I don't know what that plays into it. Um but it's just funny because I overthink and I'm always like, I feel like steps ahead in preparing for stuff when she's very much like, let's just go with the flow and like, we're over this. Like, what are we, why are we still camping out here? When I'm like, wait, no, I want to keep talking about this. <laughs> and I think it gets, me, it doesn't really get me in trouble, but for myself, it gets me in trouble because I'm then thinking about stuff that's already over. Yeah. So. That's fair. Um, so you've talked a little bit about young life but talk more specifically how does your number help or maybe even provide challenges 
in your profession being a young life staff person? Yeah. Um, well, as what some would say, a professional friend, that was really cheesy, but a lot of people like on young life staff, your whole job is to meet people and to build relationships. And so as a loyalist, I would say I'm pretty good at having friends. Um, because I, I'm able to be like, like, I think the way I handle myself with people is like, Oh, Grady's here. He's not going to like dip out. Um, and another way, me being a good judge of character, as I interview people who want to be volunteer leaders or be involved in whatever whatever way, shape, or form, I'm, I'm pretty quick to be like, there's something going on here that I don't love. And either that's me saying, hey, we're going to move forward without this, or me calling the conversation to a deeper place to figure out what's going on. Um, so I'll say relationally, it pays off a lot. Um, and then two, just like, me overthinking things plays off in the planning of how to get kids to Colorado for a week. Um, especially as an inexperienced staff person who doesn't really have a direct supervisor in the area, I really have to think through everything, mm-hmm. um, which is really good. Um, but also, if we're going back to the phobic stuff, I'm able to call on other area directors or other people that are above me to figure out what's going on and what I need to be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I was, what was it, counterphobic? Mm-hmm. I would not be in the spot I am now because I would not know what to do. Because I have people above me on staff that I, I like and I value, I am able to call on them to be like, what, what should my job be looking like right now? Which is tricky during a pandemic because nobody knows what their job's supposed to be looking like. Especially in a relational ministry where you're supposed to hang out with people. Yeah. Um, I haven't met a ton of people in the Lakewood, White Rock, Young Life area because I got hired and quickly after the world shut down. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people, whether it's donors or people that just like support prayerfully that I've never met before, mm-hmm. which is which is tough. But I would say relationally, um, being phobic, I it affects my job in a good way. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. You're welcome. (laughs) Okay. So when we talk about the Enneagram with our spiritual life, um, one of the things that we've been talking about with each number is the deadly sin. And so for sixes, the deadly sin is fear. And I'm going to read the description it has here. Fear. Forever imagining worst case scenarios and questioning their ability to handle life on their own. Sixes turn to authority figures and belief systems rather than God to provide them with the support and security they yearn for. So when you hear that, do you think that the deadly sin of fear applies to your life? And if so, how? Um, I can, I can get caught overthinking a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, worst case scenarios, especially during COVID. Um, I mean, whether it's somebody getting COVID or how this affects my job how this affects the future of my job, how this affects the future of my area with my job, like relationships, whether that's with friends or dating. Um, I would say there's a lot of overthinking and a lot of fear that comes in. Um, Especially being somebody that's so committed and so loyal, the fear of other people not being as committed as me Mm -hmm. brings fear. Mm -hmm. Um, 
because I want people to be I, I want people to know that I'm always going to be there and if I feel like somebody's not always going to be there I start freaking out mm-hmm. um, even if it's something that's like not super important um, fear definitely is like a big for sure the deadly sin um, and it's less when I'm healthy than I'm unhealthy mm-hmm. but when I'm unhealthy it's like like you live it's, in that fear. It's dominant, yeah. Yeah. Would you say that, um, like, I think fear plays in the biggest role with the unknown. So as far as, like, the future, would you say that there's ever times when it's hard for you to trust God or you fear the future because you um, you desire direction from him, but you're, like, not seeing it? Or maybe you don't even, like, lean towards that and like your prayer life suffers because um like you just live in that fear I don't know I don't know if I'm explaining that well but do you think that's ever something that happens to you yeah I uh I would say it impacts not all the time um like there's times in my fear it's easier to rely on the Lord okay knowing that I don't need to worry about it Mm -hmm. um I'm trying to think of circumstances where I feel like I'm not relying on the Lord because of fear. Um, but it usually ends up in me feeling emotionally exhausted mm-hmm. and me being like, okay. There's only one I'm person that can fix yeah, this. Like yeah. I'm dumb. I knew the answer the whole time and I was relying on myself. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, I end up relying on the Lord. Yeah. Just one way is a lot easier mm-hmm. than the other way. Mm-hmm. One way hurts a lot more than the other way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's learning to catch myself, like almost like the triggers of my fear, to be able to say, okay, this is where the fork in the road is, mm-hmm. of which way I lean. So on the opposite side of that, in your spiritual life, so mm-hmm. not dealing with sin, but more in spiritual development, um, in your own personal spiritual development, or you know your soul care time, how do you think your number comes into play with that? And what activities do you tend to gravitate towards? Like during my spiritual time? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, so I'm a journaler. Uh, I've got, I just bought a really cool journal. Now that I'm thinking about it. I love that journal. But I would say a lot of my journaling is, and it's like a daily thing of me saying, Lord, remind me to lean into you. Okay, so I actually recently learned I value solitude. Really? Yeah. Uh, my other friend who's a six loves solitude. Yeah. And I hate admitting it cause I love people. Um, but I realized recently that I love solitude. Like I will now go on a walk for hours. I love that. Um, and it involves me, I'll listen to music or a podcast and then I'll turn it off for an hour mm-hmm. and I'll turn it back on later. Um, I think I for so long tried to, be with the Lord with people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, this isn't cutting it. And that idea of salty sounds awful really because being alone with the Lord is terrifying. Mm. Um, which is funny saying because <laughs> you're like, he's our comforter. Like yeah. it's, but it's actually terrifying mm-hmm. because I, the fear of what do you, what do you want to say to me? Mm-hmm. Like what, or what am I going to be thinking about mm-hmm. that you want to speak into? Um, but I learned recently that solitude is the freaking, the jam. <laughs> the jam. You will. But you do like not even just solitude, but you enjoy the silence. Yes. 
Yeah, the get it's like a getaway. Mm. Um, Have you ever been on a either a spiritual retreat or a prayer retreat where like so Jake is one of the ministers here at Stillman and Jake is a six and one of the things that shout out Jake <laughs> shout out to Jake <laughs> one of the things that um, Jake has done recent he did it recently and I know he's done like it before he loves to just go on these like solo retreats um, and just go out to a center out in nature where he just sits there and oh every time he talks about this he his eyes light up light up and I'm like that sounds awful like mm. I want to enjoy that I want to be that person who likes silence and likes solitude yeah. but I'm not that way but when he talks about how he like spent hours just in silence praying I'm like wow like have you ever done something like that no but I want to yeah uh now more than ever, because <laughs> in the past, I was in the same of, like, where you're thinking of, this sounds awful. Why would I want to go be alone for a weekend or for a few hours? When now I'm like, I would love to go and be away. And I've heard stories, like, in books or other people in ministry talking about it. Where they'll go, and they'll talk about the awkward moments of, like, it'd be a big group thing that'll go, and they'll do solitude. And, like, lunch is kind of funny because, like, you want to talk to your friends. but But even just the idea of, like... And I don't want to be, like, the cheesy Christian guy here, but, like, the book Lot of Heart, which, like, I don't know if you've ever read it. You've probably heard of it, though? Really? Okay. Interesting. This is embarrassing. This is, no, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Who's it's it a, by? Uh, John Eldridge. Okay. But it talks about multiple things of, like, boys becoming men and, like, what it looks like to be a man. Why would I have heard about this? I'm not a man. I know, but uh, I know... Yeah, you're right, actually. Because I, <laughs> I know, like, so my mom read it, but my mom read it when she found out she was having me. Yeah, well, she has all boys. Yeah, Of course right. she's okay. read it. Yeah, it's a little different. Okay, so, I, yeah, <laughs> you're right. But, so it talks about, though, this, like, adventure to live, and even this idea of, like, going and being out in nature, because that's where, originally, we were kind of created to be, was out in nature mm-hmm. and in God's creation. Mm-hmm. So, like, going to Colorado for me. Before recently, I would say Colorado was my retreat because just going and hiking and like making my own trails, even if that's not recommended, was like so freeing. Mm -hmm. Like I've never felt more alive than being in Colorado and just like hiking around. I've never gone on a retreat. I want to go on a retreat, uh, especially now that I've learned that I love solitude. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if that's just like going camping for a weekend or I don't know, camping, I've got some weird experience. (laughs) I might not go camping, but... (laughs) Just finding a weekend to like go get away, do my own thing, um, sounds like a freaking dream. That's awesome. I really appreciate that. Um, Greedy, is there anything else that you want to share about sixes, like either advice that you have for people listening to this or just about the Enneagram in general? Um, I would hit on two things I've said already. One of them is as a six, when you think about situations... And you think about what could go wrong or what you need to prepare for. If you're not thinking of like what else do I need to pack simplicity wise of like if you're going on a weekend and you're thinking about what are you packed or what your days are going to look like and you're not like, oh, I might need an extra thing of toothpaste because I'm going to run out or like something small like that. If you're thinking, well, what if we get in a wreck or what if we, with my shoe breaks or what if. At that point, like, how many times have these situations actually happened? Mm -hmm. Like, you're kind of wasting energy. Um, When, you know, like, I mean, ultimately, the Lord's there. The Lord Lord knows it's going to happen. 
um, to like stop wasting your energy. Mm-hmm. And I remind myself of that all the time. So the second thing with or in regard to fear, there's a lot of stuff as a six you ever think. In the the odds of you, or I guess of me thinking about it and somebody else not thinking about it is very high. Like when I was talking about like whether it was like me and my girlfriend or with friends, I'll approach it like, hey, I was thinking about this. And they're like, we're like, we've already talked about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's good to think about that stuff, but it's finding a way to use that almost to store it away and not like ignore it, but to process it on your own because the odds are somebody's other people have already processed this and gotten over it. Mm. And as a six, it's really easy to sit and live in that. And live in that. When it's not going to cause quarrels because you keep bringing it up. But there is a point where it's like, hey, stop thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And you might see that in your friends that are sixes of like, hey, we've already talked about this. Like, let's let's move on. This yeah. isn't important anymore. Yeah. I will say that my advice for anyone listening that has a six in their life that they love um, one thing that I have had to really learn is to speak the truth into my friends that are sixes of when they come to me. There's times when I think giving advice, especially when people ask for it, is necessary, and I think it's a good thing. But I found that with some of my friends that are sixes in particular, that I have to look at them and say, trust yourself. You know what you're doing, trust yourself. Yeah. Because that's one thing that sixes can fall back on is not being able to trust themselves and looking to that authority figure or looking to other people to make those decisions for them. But when I have specific friends who are sixes and it's when they explain the situation, they already have the perfect idea of what they want to do. They just can't trust that decision. And so they come to me and say, is this what I should do? And I say, Hey, trust yourself. I'm not going to make this decision for you. Trust yourself. Because I think that that's something that is a truth that they need spoken into them because it's not always something that they can believe. You know, we're going to transition now into our time of listening to the song number six by the sleeping at last. This is their um, depiction of what a six would be like through music. I'm going to go ahead and play that now.
Again, just love listening to these songs every week. I think that they are just, I mean, music just relates so much in my life and it's something that's such a big part. And so I'm glad that I'm able to share one of my favorite bands, different descriptions of these numbers through music. Grady, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Thank you for talking about what it's like to be the loyalist in your own life. Yeah, thanks for having me. It almost, and it feels really weird to say it out loud because I was saying this earlier. In a way, it kind of feels like counseling. In a good way. Like, I'm a pro-counseling person. Wait, from like it, from me to you? No, just like processing. Oh. I'm a processor, especially okay. verbally. Yeah. So it feels, I think as I'm talking about six and talking about myself, mm-hmm. it feels like processing of me understanding myself even better. Yeah. So that's I'm very pro counseling. Me saying this feels like counseling is not like this feels weird. I if you have not been to counseling, I recommend it. Well, it's funny because you saying that right now was such a sick thing to say. I'm a processor. Yeah, that's you're a thinker. You live in that state. I'm a verbal processor. But I think that's one thing that is so good about the Enneagram. And I think that that's something that we need to lean on is the fact that this is this is a journey and this is work that we are can constantly do to not only figure out ourselves better, but our neighbors and how to love people better. And so thank you for sharing that. I'm just so glad that you were here joining us today. Um, I'm so excited next week to have John Mark on our last podcast. Well, the last number podcast, because he'll be our number seven. Until the crime podcast. Until until the crime podcast. Um, But after the number seven podcast. I'll go over more of the chart of where you go in stress and security, your triads, um, all of those different things. And then the week after that is our question and answer. So please continue to send me different questions that you have either about your own number or other numbers or the Enneagram in general. um, And we'll go over those. But thanks again for joining us today. This is Today on the Gram.
Good night.